Hi, welcome to Space Frost, the sci-fi movie podcast for bad bitch feminists. I'm Kate, and with me is the superhero we need and the superhero we want, the super feminist hero, Mary Johnston. What up, girl? Bong, 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 bong. <laughs> it's a very special Space Frost holiday app. Woohoo! Woohoo! Welcome, welcome to our holiday episode, because, guys, it's, it is the season. It's December, you know? Hopefully you're cozy. Huga-inging up. I know it's not pronounced that way. I don't care. Wait, what? Huga? Do you know about Huga? It's I this uh, Scandinavian concept of coziness. Like, there's an expression for it. And Ooh. basically, you know how, like, when you go to an Ikea, you're like, I've never been to a place where people gave this much of a damn about candles. That's <laughs> because of Uga. Like, like people, people in Scandinavia all winter long because their winters are long. Like, light candles and make braised stews and like get under giant furry blankets and read books and just all yeah, kinds well, of things. I hope you all are hugging the shit out of your lives right now. Hey, Mary, what's your uh, what's your favorite holiday tradition? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I like to celebrate solstice, um, which is the mm-hmm. I believe the twenty first. And what I like to do is I actually like to hoo- get a bunch of candles, turn on a bunch of lights, you know, like like br- brighten up the space with fire. Um, and I make Swedish meatballs, and I watch all of my favorite scary Christmas movies. Oh, I watch oh. Rare Expert Exports. I don't watch like the necessarily the slashers, but I watch. Uh, Rare Exports, and I watch uh, tro- like Trolls, not not Trolls, but I think, it's, I think it's actually called Troll Hunter. But it was a Scandinavian film that came out like maybe like 2008, I would guess. Right on. Um, that is very good. It kind of is like Twist, like a very classy version of Twister, except instead of chasing a tornado, they're chasing a giant troll around. I love that. Love that. What about you? What do you like to do? Well, hmm. So I celebrate Christmas uh, not in a well, not a particular Christian way, just like in a in a way. Uh, this year's gonna be my first, and in a year. way that most Americans exactly. do exactly an excuse to indulge and enjoy enjoy life's fine yeah, things in the cold yeah, dark yeah. nights. Um, yeah. So my favorite thing about it is decorating a Christmas tree because I particularly love uh, bringing in a dead tree and trussing it up, and uh, you know making sure that it's a focal point in my home for like a month. Uh, And I love that lots of other Americans do a very pagan ritual of taking a dead tree in their home and worshiping it. You know, I think that's fun. I think it's. it's Yes, it is also. It's also important to note that you were raised, at least for some of your life, on a Christmas tree farm. I I was. I was. So it always has to be a live tree anyway. So, um, yeah, I feel I feel real kinship to the live tree. I understand cutting down probably seems wasteful to some people. Uh, they grow pretty fast. And uh, if you're not careful, yeah, you're selling them for landscaping when they're like 10 feet tall. Uh, you know, so let me just say, I, it's 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 not the thing that's killing the rainforest is your, your Christmas tree in your home. So, you know, like, indulge a little if you feel like it. Uh, I love the feeling of having sap all over my hands after I put my tree up. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I've never heard anyone talking about the carbon footprints of, of trees, of Christmas trees. I, mean, I, think I have that heard they're... people say it's sad to, like, kill a thing and bring it in your home. But, like, that's literally the point, is you're killing a thing and bringing I mean, it in your home. It's a, it's a ritual sacrifice, and we're dressing it up, guys. Come on. Come, every, come every, on. Come, come every on. potted plant that I've ever brought in is like, uh, yeah. It's like, we're going to have a real good six to eight months together. I'm you know, that's okay. Really it's like getting, funny. I love that. It's so like much. getting a. It's like getting a really old dog from the pound. It's like <laughs> I'm gonna make your life really good, but I know I'm gonna watch you die. Is it, is, are you making the life really good? Yeah, I give them abundance of everything. That's why they die. <laughs> You're gonna live really yeah. fast and really hard and die. Young. I'm like, that's well, my hope old. Yeah, I, I'd like to no, get no, big no, plants, so at least not, they've had not, some time. Not, not dogs, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, plants. plants. Um, to be clear, I've never done that with a dog. No, yes, yes. Uh, tepid take: We're against killing dogs. Very against it. Very against it. Not, not my scene. <laughs> But we're not here to talk about dogs. 
No, nope, we're here not. to talk about that- cats and bats. Cats and bats. So in 1989, Tim Burton was feeling a little bit pigeonholed. He had made he directed the first Batman movie, which was pretty much a total success. And if I recall correctly, pretty good. Like I, I remember liking it. Um, and they wanted him to come back and do the sequel because to make even more money. And he was like, if I'm going to return, we're going to offer something new and exciting. So there was a script written by the person who did the script for the first movie. And he basically just like threw it out, like was like, nope. And he hired Daniel Waters, who uh, wrote Heathers uh, and had just written Heathers. Like oh Heathers God, had just that. come out um, to get. Was Heathers a commercial success? I feel like it was moderately a commercial success, sure, but, sure, but sure. it was a critical darling. People liked it yeah. a lot. And so, yeah. so probably they could get old Danny Boy for like a fairly reasonable sum old too. Danny Boy. And he he brought on Daniel Waters specifically to give uh, the Caped Crusader a uh, a social satire spin. He wanted to say something with this movie. And Daniel Waters inherited all the key players. Had to have Batman, Obvi. They the original script had Catwoman and then had the Penguin, but. He wanted to do something pretty different than the, the you know, the, the first film was about like them, like getting like pirate treasure. And it was it was it was pretty it was pretty by the book and a little bit like kitty, I would say. Sure. From what I've read about it. And he was like, nope, I'm not going to do that. So he started reading. He, he knew he wanted to make this sort of a Catwoman focused piece. And he started reading a lot about women in comics. He started reading like a bunch of comics about women. Mm-hmm. And he says there was a comic book called Electra, Electra Assassin by Frank Miller that he really, really enjoyed. I've actually never read that. I have. But I, I have. Mean, it's I, good. I mean, yeah. Frank Miller doesn't age um, super well, but yeah. Otherwise. You know, well, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and he said, and he said, uh, I found that more compelling than a lot of the reading I was doing about Catwoman and Batman comics. Um, and people would, when he was working on it, would come up to him and say, like, you know, wow, you're getting to do a Batman movie. That must be so exciting. Like, what kind of spin are you putting on Batman? And he'd be like, yeah, I guess so. And he says, basically, he's like, I was more excited about making a woman movie about Catwoman. Actually, he uh, agreed to this movie even so that he could then go on to write a Catwoman spinoff. Which he described thusly. The scenario would be Selena Kyle has escaped uh, the opposition of Gotham City and is now in a sun-scorched L.A. slash Las Vegas slash Phoenix amalgam. I think it's really funny that Phoenix slid knuck in there somehow. Well, I mean, <laughs> Phoenix is kind of a hellscape, so it seems like they wanted it to be a cat on a hot tin roof hellscape. Yeah, continue. It also might it also might like lead into a little bit of like conservatism. Maybe that's why it's there. Yes. I don't know. And this area is being watched over by three macho superheroes who are corrupt. Um, and he said, like, a Trump slash Bruce Wayne cross-pollination. Oh, my God. Um, this is all before Trump. Like, all before Trump. I was going to say some forward-thinking shit. And so... Well, or someone who understood the corruption that was happening. Continue. I mean, if so, I mean, this was the 80s, too. That'd be kind of nuts. Selena would break out of her hiding from society casino worker shell and go full Catwoman and become a trickster foil for the secretly villainous and fascist superheroes. 10 out of 10 would have greenlit that. Um, but Tim Burton and the Hollywood suits um, fully dropped the ball on it. Um, and instead, we just have this little treasure uh, of a movie to warm our holiday hearts and beyond, uh, during the holiday season and beyond. I'm going to say right off the top, spoilers, this is my favorite Batman movie. Sorry, not sorry. Christopher <laughs> Nolan, Dark Knight Trilogy. <laughs> you basic. I want weird shit. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> Kate's like, don't agree, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, give me Bane voice or give me death, okay? <laughs> To quote, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> to quote myself. <laughs> um, so, what yeah. were your? Do you want to do first impressions, or do you want to lead right in? I, 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 I'd love to okay, do first go impressions. For um, and my first impression is that guys, I want to call this movie Catwoman, and I want to tell you all that maybe I uh, ripped it and ported it and did a fan edit where it is literally just. Catwoman, no penguin, and it's a great movie without the penguin. That's my first impression. But do you think it's a good movie with the penguin in it? 
I think it's a hard to watch movie with the penguin in it for my personal aesthetic and preferences. Fair, fair. I think he's super important. I, we'll I get into sorry. it. I, I, we'll get into yeah, it. I'm I think sorry. he's super important to the story. You're like, I'm sorry to well, this I, man, I, the I perso- penguin. I, I personally think, and this is you know a good but good place for some impressions. But I think Max Shrek would have been a great villain just all on his own. He is a good villain like, for sure. Yeah. He's and, the main and villain. And I think that, like, if we had spent more time on him as the villain and left the complicating factor of the penguin out, um, I I think it would have been a better movie for me. But that's also partially because I find the penguin to be hard to watch. Too gross. And yeah, man. Yeah. 100% in a million different ways. So anyway, maybe we could have had his, like, his son bump up his appearance and be like, more swarmy and gropey and rapey and that would have like filled in some other gaps but like yeah that's 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 my interesting you'll say anyway. that there is quite a bit left on the cutting room form with max streck's son there's quite a bit and i see fa- yeah, yeah I, it seemed like there yeah. was something missing but this movie is son. long anyway yeah. so i do kind of understand oh it. yeah 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 by the way my 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 catwoman cut it's definitely still more than an hour so, yeah no, i'm know. sure that, it's that's a just, lot. Just just tell you i'm telling you there's a whole movie here without dealing with the penguin anyway go ahead so i disagree we'll talk about it later but i'll now let me give you a little plot overview (laughs) yeah please uh selena kyle's boss max is the worst um he's angling to get a corrupt man the penguin (laughs) elected to be mayor so he can build a power plant that will sneakily drain gotham of its energy and bring the city to its knees selena figures out his evil plan and max pushes her out a window to silence her her meek, people-pleasing side dies on the pavement, but fortunately, Selena is reborn as a feminist anti-hero we always knew was inside her. Catwoman! Um, <laughs> so, I wanted to start out, this is our holiday episode, this is a holiday movie, it takes place during uh, pretty much explicitly the Christmas season, there are trees everywhere, but... Explicitly, yeah, yeah. I would agree. Um, and I, it got me thinking a lot about social satire during the Christmas season. I think that when I, start, when I first started watching it, I didn't think that there was a strong connection, but now I kind of do. That, like, that the holidays are ripe, a ripe and good time for social satire. Oh yeah. What did you make of this? The holidays can bring out the best of us in 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 our best case scenarios, but it can also bring out the worst of us. Like uh just like just like weddings. All right? <laughs> so 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 bear with me guys. You can have a wedding that's literally all about love and being together, or you can have a wedding where you go into a ton of debt in order to pretend to be in a different social class or uh try to inspire envy and greed and you know, it can be like a real trial for everyone involved. So um, that's how the holidays are, too. You know, you can center family and friends and loved ones and having a drink and lighting candles and cuddling up. Or you can center self-righteousness and trying to buy the most expensive gift despite your credit card bill. And, you know, I th- I think that of course, it's a great time for social satire. I mean, we got we got a, a, a reference to a gift that's an actual Trojan horse. You know, mm-hmm. you have the expect, expectations versus the reality of the holidays. You know, I kind of I went a little bit I went a little bit down a rabbit hole with this. But I, I kind of I think a lot about <laughs> I think a lot about like how the, the death of the of the year like that, I think, is something that speaks, be it um, Christian or uh, uh Judaism or any any of the ritual t- things we do this time of year or or and and in particular in this moment in time dear listener the death of a decade death of a decade you know? big deal or yeah. new decade yeah. being born right um yeah. we the phoenix ashes and them rising go ahead sir yeah i mean like this is a time of year that people gather together and they give thanks and they celebrate the fruits of the year's labor we feast we exchange things generosity is the point um, we burn beseeching fires and candles to drive the darkness away and guide back the life-giving sun. That's like that's those are those traditions, right? Yeah. And it's sort of this odd mix of like it's sort of I mean it's like it's sort of like a wake and a birth, and it's an odd mix of festive and self-reflection. I think we face existential dread this time of year. Um, environmental factors, uh, basically, completely 
you know, the environment basically completely shuts down towards life, right? It's cold. Many places it snows. You're, yeah. It's miserable to be outside. You stay, so you stay inside and you try to keep each other entertained. And it's, we have this like little, little, fe- like these festive, these festive celebrations that signify hope. This like small little human flame holding the unknown and the, and the badness at bay. And like, it just gives me goose pimples to think about. And I think it's a great time to, of course, you know, and this stuff kind of goes back to like old, old pagan and, um, you know, like uh, agrarian traditions when we, when we really like relied on the land, right, to, to live. But I think we still carry them with us to this day. Um, And you see lots of stories about people, like redemption arcs. Uh, you know, the most famous, of course, being um, uh, Charles Dickens' uh, Christmas Carol, right? Yeah. And those stories, of course, are more personal. Like we see, you know, um, Scrooge go from being a miser to being a generous man. Yeah. But, but those things, and especially the Christmas Carol, has root in social satire. Basically, in the Victorian age, people thought that if you were poor, it's because you were bad. You're a bad person if you're poor. Does that sound familiar to us now? <laughs> is that is that the way that we treat people now? Ma- yeah. Maybe. Um, and that even though the Victorian age was was full of philanthropy, it was sort of like the aren't the rich people so good for rescuing rescuing these these um, undeserving masses um, and and lifting them up to a place where they could where they could be saved, right? And yeah. Charles Dickens wrote a Christmas carol to be like, no, <laughs> the poor people, poor people are not bad. You should, you should be cooler about it. Um, and I think, so, you know, this, this tradition of telling social sat, like stories of social satire and making us confront the darkness that we face in our society and be beacons of light and hope for something better. I think a very like is in the fabric of this time of year. And I like seeing it in a superhero film. <laughs> like, I think it's a funny and weird modern updating of these traditions we've had forever. Yeah, I agree. So you brought up Dickens. It's funny. I, Max Shrek seems like the perfect uh, Dickinsonian. Is that how you Yeah, Dickinsonian. Uh, he's like a big villain of the He's piece? like a Dickinsonian miser. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to, you've already said, he's literally trying to reabsorb the energy right before Christmas. It makes me think of, like, Bob Cratchit asking for a couple lumps of coal to warm his fire. Like, uh, you have you have a giant uh, gift that comes out uh, almost in a parade float-like fashion while he's giving a speech that... Uh, that seems to be about, you know, generosity and, and the mayor's like, oh, what a what a good PR move. And it's actually literally a vehicle to bring in like uh, menace and crime via the penguin's henchmen. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's yeah, I just I think that this movie is for my issues with the penguin and grossness and his black teeth, his really black teeth, his dirty long underwear that also seems right out of Victorian age. And I like, but hasn't been washed since then. Uh, you know, I, I, I really appreciate and respect all that. Also, 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 also on a more personal level, not on the larger scale that you're talking about. We have our, our dear Catwoman, Selena Kyle. Going home and listening to her voicemail full of her mom being disappointed about her at the holidays for, like, working too hard, not having a boyfriend and, like, you know, her life just being a big pile of shit, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, which is the downside of a lot of people's holidays, having uh, having family that is um, disappointed by you or uncomfortable with your choices or wishes you were living your life the way that they want you to. So, you know, that's. That's all. That's mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, yeah. The 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 holidays. The holidays. Can any be, of those insights? The holidays could be on very unhappy times for sure, and it's it's a uh, mm-hmm. part of that self that um, self reflection sometimes becomes quite toxic, and you can point it out at other people, and 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 kind of you you have exposure to to those around you who love you, but also would feel the most comfortable letting you know every flaw they see of you. So. It's, it's because tough. they want you to be better, Mary. They love you so much that they want you to 
improve. They're trying to help you. <laughs> Some help with with friends like this. Um, uh, yeah, friends like these who needs friends anyway. Sorry. <laughs> Pretty sure that's how it goes. With friends like this who needs Santa Claus. My gift came early. Um, so anyway, uh, of course, all of this like the kind of like this calling to mind Victorian Dickinsonian age like that's so much up tim burton's alley he loves he loves that um and and i think it's nice because i think we get with with screw with like uh max shrek and scrooge we kind of have a one-to-one but i think for the most part like this feels very christmas carolian without having one-to-one characterizations and it's because of the set dressing and element for the most part um and i think that it's 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 waters and Burton together suggesting that we as a society have turned on our freaks and the poor and the downtrodden and blame them for society's ills. Like the mayor talks about how he's like, like the good mayor, right? Talks about how he's like, well, when the streets, yeah, the quote, good. right, has turned to like violence, and we have to figure out why that is. And I'm like, well, I don't know, man. It seems like it seems like you're living in a Gotham city that features a lot of fascist architecture. So maybe you're not that yeah. great. <laughs> Maybe maybe you're not helping as much as you think you are. Yeah. Um, I think it also the sort of blending of fascism with Vic- the Victorian aesthetic kind of like lets you know that this is not going to be a typical holiday jaunt. You're not we're not going to get a happy ending that's completely all wrapped up nicely and like everyone everyone has been accounted for. This is going to be messy, a little bit messy. And it is at the end. Yeah. That Batman might even steal someone's cat from them, you know. <laughs> well, that's Rude. Selena Kyle's cat. To be fair, <laughs> I, 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 I know. not somebody's cat. Um, but there's lots of <laughs> might steal the obvious hero of the movie's cat from that's her. True. All right, yeah. uh, I'm ready to start talking about Catwoman. What about you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it. Um, Although I, I do have a question. Oh maybe. yeah, do you think Tim Burton likes Christmas? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I tried. I tried to find evidence online that would answer my question, and nothing uh, because nothing, nothing he, because like I'm watching this. He must because he seems thematically drawn to it, but it's not like he tells like. I think that it's. I think it maybe is one of the times of year where everybody is as outrage de- decorates outrageously, and I think that that might be it. But I can't believe that he did this and Edward Scissorhands. And Nightmare Before Christmas and doesn't have some affinity. To- and, and even and even Sweeney Todd, and which even like Sweeney has Todd. some Christmassy stuff. And even like, and even Sleepy Hollow, which I know is like more Halloween, but it has that sort of like stark fall into winter aesthetic. Yeah, I think he must. I think he must like Christmas, um, or at least like, or at least find it to be a a time, a, a rich thematic time to deal with. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think at least a rich thematic time for sure. So let's get into Catwoman. Yeah, let's go to Catwoman. Da-da-da. You mean mm, the movie that I think is amazing? Kate, it in, is in this Kate, movie. It is this movie. <laughs> it is in this movie. It is text know, in this I movie. Know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I just think it gets distracted from. There's just when you when you realize that there are two hours, and if you cut out Penguin, then there's like an entire hour of movie left that it just feels like they they. I guess my real beef with this movie, other than the fact that I think Penguin's gross, because that's not enough of a reason to not like a movie, is I think it is too distracted. It has too many things it's, it's trying to do. The plot line is, is a little bit of a big old little mess. Bit more, yeah. yeah, and I just wish it were a little bit more focused. And I think it has the perfect subject matter uh, in just focusing on Selena Kyle. Also, if you cut out the Penguin stuff... And this is Catwoman related. You cut out that scene where she starts grooming herself. Oh, um, I kind of by licking her arm. I Please, can you explain to me what's good about that? I kind of like it because I kind of think it's like so off-putting. <laughs> like it's so off-putting. You're just like, oh damn! <laughs> just, like I am not even well, on this then, lady's like, level. Like she's like, well, and, and then the next scene, thing. she's looking in a like in her at her reflection and being like, who are you? And I'm like, is she having a psychotic break? I mean, like, like I feel like. It's distracting. Selena like, Kyle I mean, yes. is not a well person. No. 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 No, no, no. No. She's not. And I think that that's supposed to imply that to you, and it does, <laughs> like, for me. I mean, yeah, it's weird, but, like, I just... It, it didn't bother me. I don't need her... I don't need her to be well in this movie. 
I don't think she should be well. I don't think a lot of people should be well. I don't need her to be well adjusted. Yeah, we don't need to pretend like everybody's well adjusted. I don't need I, her. I, she's I an, like that take. She's an antihero and she is a villain. And I think it's more powerful to show her as that. Is she a villain? Well, she's a villain. I guess that's my question. She's a villain against the status quo, which is Batman and is smart Max Shrek and is the patriarchy. So yeah, she's a villain, but she's a villain we like. She's a villain we need. She is actually a hero. She's a villain. She's a hero we need. Yeah, not the hero we want. But it's like we, right. we need we need someone to be questioning the patriarchy. Like even 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 Batman like needs someone to question him or he's just a rich white man deciding for everyone what is well, right. Well, no, Batman doesn't need someone to question him. Batman needs someone to shut him down. He is not yeah. good. We are not a healthy society if we have Batman at our helm. So I think by placing her in a place where she is villainous but is actually correct and is actually morally correct and even in her psych- like her psychoticness is correct it shows that's like where the social satire comes out and that is where you realize how sick we are (laughs) the people like as a society so like yeah so yeah i think she does have to be a if she's not a villain like if she if this movie ends the way where she's like okay i'll fight alongside you that's wrong no yeah that's not right i I agree or if she's like healthy if she's like pretty normal if she's like an every woman that's also kind of wrong because those are also constructs of the patriarchy like yeah no i i I agree i just i guess i guess we're finding out that my limitation my limitations and i and i hate to be someone with so many limitations have to (laughs) do things that are just entirely off-putting yeah uh yeah, I'm sorry, Tia. No, it's okay. Uh, Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm, ju- I'm, I'm just who I am. So ah, I'm just, anyway. I'm just as God made me. Um, let's start. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's start with her pre-Catwoman life. So yeah, these scenes are so, like, so crazy effective in the end, like. Talk about, like, showing, not necessarily telling, but also a little bit telling. Like, this movie has no exposition, necessarily, to tell you how you're supposed to feel about it. You are, we are given sort of these little vignettes, and we know exactly who she is as a person. And I love that. That is so rare (laughs) in a superhero movie. I love, I love that, like, all right, so we see her tongue-tied. We see her, like, trying to make suggestions and then just, like, floundering. And then we see her being so self-aware, like, right afterwards. Yeah. And being able to, like, have her own, but only when it comes to being self-loathing towards yourself. Only when it comes to self-berating her, you know? Like, like being like, oh, you're such an idiot. You're such a fool. I can't believe you said that. But, like, it just tells you how much power she could have if she could self-actualize, which I think is actually the plight of many, many, many women, you know? You internalize so much sexism. That it can trap you. Well, and I think that's yeah. also kind of one of those things where she already is there. She already knows it's wrong. And it's so blatantly wrong. Like the scene where. It's so blatantly and, But wrong. like her. Like our first scene with her. Oh, she's like. When she's pouring coffee meeting. for those people. And they don't even. The best part is all their coffee cups. It's a huge conference table. All the coffee cups are like sitting right in front of their. Of like the, the user. The drinker. Right. And she has so it means she has to like reach her arm to its full extent and pour like a big heavy coffee, like silver coffee server across their laps. Like she's like straining to do it. And none of those men even consider just scooting the cup a little bit closer to her. Like it's she struggles. Why would they? She's not even a person. Yeah, she struggles. I think it's even worse than that. It's like they want her pain is what they get off on. In the original script, uh, Max's son, because you remember she offers him coffee as well. In the original script, he's like. Yeah, I will take some coffee. And then he says, you know, it's not the caffeine that buzzes that buzzes us. It's the obedience. And I'm sad that it's not in there because that's such a good line. Me too, because that's such a good line. But I feel like that's still there. It's still there. Like, you feel it. Yeah. It's subtextual, if not textual. Yeah. Like, and like that line is in the feeling of that room. And just the way that like, literally when Max Shrek, when she forgets to I don't know why she was responsible for handing him the notes that were literally sitting in the room with him. Yeah, for, like, for a speech like, he is going to give. And yeah, and he, and, he, and he turns to his son. He's like, remind me to take this out on her. Like, 
Like that it's it's there, you know? Yeah. Even if even if the line from the sun is missing, like he literally says, Remind me to take this out on her. You know? Yeah. Um, there were other scenes too. Another scene I found that didn't get cut was you see her desk and it's like it has like a cork board that has all these post-it notes stuck up on it that say stuff like obey, don't quote unquote get the jokes, save it for your diary. Like these things, these things oh. that I'll be real with you, like we still basically tell people, you know, like don't cry at work. Don't tr- don't don't try to to be one of the guys. You're not one of the guys, but like not in a helpful yeah. way. I use the trick you know? that you taught me on this podcast to pinch uh, my palm like right below my my thumb really really tightly to not cry uh, on the regular. Mm-hmm. Uh, guys, I'm back on my antidepressants and I need it less, so that's exciting. But you know, like Woo! like it it's yeah. it sucks. The bottom line is, yes, Mary, this is this this feels very real to work situations <laughs> yes. uh, all the time. And uh, there are jokes you're intentionally left out of. And sometimes you're lucky enough to be a lesbian, a little bit of a tomboy. And uh, with certain clients, you get to be in on the jokes. But most of the time, uh, it's better if you're not. It's better if you're left out and they will almost say that to you literally word for word. Yeah, it's ruining their so. enjoyment if you also would like to enjoy this their social time. Um yeah. Yeah. And then I love it also juxtaposed with her uh like the her apartment which is I like to think of it as a tableau of the absurdities of femininity. Like it's amazing. It really is. Yeah. And when I saw it, I was like, mm, I know why Mary likes this movie. Yeah. It's like very kitschy. It's, so it's like pink so and she has like gingham curtains and laces everywhere and there are stuffed animals over the place. And it's like. Like mirrors framed and like beautiful, like kind of laciness. Yeah. Like, it's know, just, just perfect. Very frilly. And it's sort of, I, I like, I like that she like comes into this, like basically like this playhouse. Right. And she's like, honey, I'm home. Oh, I forgot. I'm not married. Honey, Honey, I'm home. Yeah. Oh, I forgot I'm not married. And like, and how funny is like the idea that she's a woman is only ever playing house until she fills said house with a man. And also that like, even though Selena's in the city, which generally we think of as being like a freeing agent for people. And I think for a lot of people it is like. I mean, like you have that old thing where it's like, I grew up in a small town and I was the only person like myself. And then I moved to the city and I just had to get out. So I like moved to the city. Mary, quit reading my biography <laughs> online. Right. <laughs> I mean, on our podcast. But I think this is implying that just because you live in the big city doesn't mean, at least in Selena's case, she is not. Problems she's still- not escaped traditional gender roles of a happy housemaker. That is still expected of her here. I mean, yes. Just because you you relocate doesn't mean people don't expect you to still conform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. one hundred percent. Which I think is interesting. Like, is an inter- especially in Gotham, which I think is generally considered such a dark and like extreme hard place to live. Like, you got to get the sense it's like crime ridden, and it's it's basically supposed to be like New York was in like the seventies, right? But. Um, you have this idea, so you maybe think that everyone there is like super tough, but you're like, no, they're they also have to deal with this the shit. Like Selena still gets like like pushed around by her boss, and she kind of has to just take it because he's her boss, and that's awful. Like, it's just sad. Um, so what does she do? Uh, she gets home and she's like so weary. You can like feel the weariness in her performance, <laughs> and yes. Yes, it's 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 actually incredible. Yeah, and she's like, f- like such like a grim little form in this like forced domestic bliss scene. It's beautiful. I yeah. love it. I love it so much. You want to talk about the answering machine too? Yeah. No. Just <sighs> she comes in and almost it could, it could almost be like something out at the beginning of a rom com. Which I think it's easy to say that this movie is not a rom com, but like, yeah, in an interesting way, plays with some of those tropes. She's going through. She hears the guy she's dating say that, like, Selena, about that Christmas getaway we planned. I'll be going alone. Doctor Shaw says I need to be my own person and not an appendage. Some appendage. Yeah, right. Like, 
what appendage of you is necessary and useful for me? Only one, buddy, is what I get from that. Anyway, yeah. um. <laughs> which is also a, a great choice too, because like I think it implies like it. That to me is almost the first like real textbook thing we have about nice guys, where you have like guys yeah. who are sensitive and in touch with themselves. But they don't want. He doesn't want to deal with her emotional problems. Like he doesn't want that as part oh, yeah, of his thing. Yeah, he can't carry any of her emotional labor. No, um, no, no, no. She, she's, she's, she's too much. Like, for him, like you know, from his tone of voice, you get the sense that he's like a sensitive beta male, right? Yeah. And even he yeah. is like sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh. <laughs> And then she gets a voicemail from herself reminding her she needs to go back into work because, uh, but I do love that. I think she's like, hey, babe, or something to herself. She's like, hey, Selena, honey. She's like very sweet to herself. Yeah, Yeah, she's very sweet to herself. Not, not, not live, but uh, her her past self is sweet to her future self, as Megan and I like to talk about uh, constructs of ourselves when uh, we either set ourselves up for success or failure, you know? Yeah. Maybe, maybe in the moment she's self-berating, but, uh, you know, and feeding her cat a bowl of milk because, you know, she might not have a man, but she treats her cat really well. All right, guys? That's important. And she anyway. treats her cat the way she wants to be treated, right? Like, the cat can come and go out the open window. Terrible for birds. Don't yeah. do that. But in this works in this context. <laughs> um <laughs> But she, uh, but like this, the, the freedom that she wants and the and the lifestyle that she wants from this cat, she wants she wants to be able to come and go and pick and choose and live her life on her terms, which we'll like kind of is a little a little suggestion of her future to come. Yeah. Um. Do you like the scene where she destroys her apartment post post murder attempt? I love it. Yeah. Should we talk a little bit about the murder attempt and yes. this very weird scene in which <clears throat> so Selena hearing her own voicemail goes back to the office and she admits that she's a little bit too smart and understands a little bit too much about what's going on with the plans. Max Shrek literally pushes her out of the fucking window like a fucking savage, horrible human that he is. By the way, Max Shrek, played by Christopher Walken, pretty unbeatable. Uh, like, was supposed to be played by David Bowie. And oh my god, really? Yes, yes. All right. Well, it's hard for me to regret Christopher Walken, but mm, mm, I might regret it a little bit because that would have been delicious. And uh, let me let me give you further regrets. And Kyle MacLachlan was supposed to be Batman. <sighs> it's okay. It's okay. I, I actually am totally it's fine. Right. I'm it's totally right. fine with it it's being right. Michael Keaton. I think he does a good job, and it makes it easier for me not to get distracted by like a really hunky man to be honest with you like having michael keaton as sort of uh, like a a little bit of a weird dude helps me in this movie like get through it like and figure out i think what they're trying to say about batman it was kind of mclaughlin i would like him more and that would be a problem yeah yeah no, none of, none of these men will be featured on Kate's Voice, the uh, the Valentine's episode no one asked for, where a lesbian talks about uh, the hottest men in sci-fi. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Kate's Boys! Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the only scene, the scene that I have to, like, I can handle the penguin. I think it's kind of great that he's so gross. The scene that kills me... Of course you do. That <laughs> kills uh-huh. me is the... When, she, when the cats are rescuing her after she's gotten pushed and they're chewing are on... Are they rescuing her? It is very bizarre. And they're chewing like, on her fingers. That's what I wanted to talk about. So she gets pushed out the window and she like kind of like vibrates a little bit and these cats start to like eat her. I think it's like not. a rebirth, like eat my yeah, yeah. body, she's, drink she's, my she's blood by the cats. kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, what I'm saying is I think she's Cat Jesus. She's Jesus. Cat yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, but I can't... Eat of me and drink of me and you will have everlasting I life. I can't watch cats. those cats chew on her fingers. It like I, That's where I have to avert my eyes. That's so funny. Yeah, that bothers me way less. <laughs> I just can't. Like The sound effects scene. are really good there. I mean, it's effective. Like I don't wish yeah. it was not in the film, but that's the part where I'm just like, whoa, this is the part that is too weird for me. Um, (laughs) But I I love her coming back in and she's like almost comatose and she does the same thing all over again. It's like, because because she is like, she's just suffered traumatic brain injury and has been reborn via 
cats, I guess, and is like, honey, I'm home. Oh, that's right. I don't have anyone here. And she comes in, she like tries to add more milk and opens up the door again. And like, it's like, it's like she's going on like a little loop. And then she gets some black spray paint and she wrecks the fucking place. And part of me was like, I mean, your home was pretty cute, you know? I, but yeah, like, but it's that female rage is so yes. powerful and like cathartic. Well, and like, and juxtapose this with like scenes of other female empowerment where it's like, go get your haircut, girl, get a dress you look cute in, girl, like things that are very consumeristic. Yeah, instead of having that destruction. Yeah. You know? And, and it's it scary. About, uh, it's scary. It's frightening. Yeah. It's empowering. Yeah. It all mixed together. And it's like, and it's off putting. Like watching her cram her stuffed animals down a garbage disposal <laughs> yes. is upsetting yes. to watch. But I yeah. think it's yeah. realer than like Stella getting her groove back. It's real. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's real powerful. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah, it is. Yeah. But I love, I love how she has that. And it's funny, too, because, like, you have that, like, sinister neon wall art that says hello here, which is always a little bit, just a yes. little bit, like, left of where you think her apartment should be. Because it like, has that, like, creepy, te- like, it's creepy. I love it. It's a creepy font. Yep. But I also love that it's, like, neon pink. But then she, like, bashes out the letters so it says hell here. Great. Yeah. Great. Yes. She goes in her closet. Finds her one, like, patent leather trunch coat. Yeah, know, like a rain jacket. That, like, I think it's seen as being almost like, yeah, but it could also be seen as being, like, a sexy thing you wear. Oh, with, for like, sure. Just underwear underneath or whatever. And she takes it and destroys it and turns it into, uh, still sexy, but, like, you know, into a into a, a Catwoman costume. A cat suit, yeah. It's amazing. I like, I like this cat suit too because I feel like it also is it's so, like so pieced together. I remember seeing this as a kid and being like, "That would be so pretty if it didn't have all the stitches in it." And that I think is absolutely the point. Like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's not. It's not supposed to really be pretty. Like well, it's supposed to look like stitched yeah. together. Michelle Fiverr, who is tremendous in this role, let's say right now, like spectacular actress, and she's spectacular in this. Um had to, like, get, like, baby powdered and lubed up to, like, get into this thing. So, like, it's definitely a sexy outfit. Um, Also, also there were uh, some of the uh, marketing for this were, like, bus stop ads, like those, you know, big posters at bus stops. And they actually had to hire, like, special security, private security firms to monitor the bus stops that had the Catwoman posters because people would bust through the plexiglass to steal the posters. And it was, like, becoming kind of a problem, which means that now if you have one of those, like, if you have a Catwoman, uh, like, marketing promotional material um, thing from this, it's worth a lot of money because so many of them were stolen and damaged. Um, so like she's definitely sexy, but I like, um, I like that she's not a straight up femme fatale. Like she's not like femme fatales generally are totally a male fantasy, which is like a sad, sexy woman who's so jaded by like corruption and danger swirling around her that she's like, that she's just like, kind of like, seems like a little bit dead. She doesn't have strong emotions either way. Um, and she's still like definitely bangable and Catwoman is not like that she's really pissed off she's really angry and so she doesn't have that dampening of her emotions i think to to sort of to make her fit into that mold even though she's absolutely physically that for sure i also like i think that there's sort of a a running through thread of like how sexualized women are and how it's not healthy for for women and especially for girls growing up with it um, Selena has this great, it's almost like a monologue because she, she, it's like, she almost is like looking at the camera and talking directly to it, but it's when, um, Max is, it's after she's like been pushed out the window and she shows up to Max's extreme surprise when he's talking to Bruce. Max asks her, um, you know, wait, do you have complete amnesia or something else equally crazy? And she's like, it's a blur I mean, not complete amnesia. I, 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 I remember Sister Mary Margaret puking in church and Betsy Riley saying it was morning sickness. And I remember the time I forgot to wear my underpants to school and the name of the boy who noticed was Ricky Friedberg. He's dead now. <laughs> like, it's so good. And it's sort yeah. of like, like this kind of this mix of it's it's a darkly comedic monologue about like how little girls are 
like this pregnant nun. They're like innocent, but they're sexualized and it messes them up. It's 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 not you you, may, you put them in this space where they need to be wholly innocent, but also responsible and guarded because they're so tempting. Yeah. And, you know, we're all that pregnant nun and she's over it. And so Rick, she's going to go kill Ricky Friedberg, which I think is what she did, because like, that's yeah. not cool. You know, if he forgot to wear his underpants to school, it would just be funny. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be creepy. But it is because she is. We also have moments where men explicitly dismiss her motivations. Um, The most obvious being uh, a scene between her and Penguin or Cobblepot. I don't know. I kind of switch back and forth, which I call him. And he said it's when she's like, I want you want to take down the Batman. I want to take down the Batman. Let's take down the Batman. And he says, hey. Why should I trust some cat broad anyway? Maybe you're just a screwed up sorority chick who's getting back at her daddy for not buying her that pony when she turned sweet 16. That's like a, a, a hint there that he is not. He, he also, even though he has had a tortured life and she has as well, he can't see past that for her because she is a woman. So any trauma a woman has is totally petty compared to the real trauma that she has faced over the course of her lifetime. Right? And you have yeah. the same and you have the same thing with the security guards. Like they have a thing where they're like, I don't know if I'm scared or if I'm falling in love. Like yeah. they're all they all completely dismiss her based on the fact they that she's a woman. They dismiss her by being a female. Yeah. Yeah. And, be, and being and being and being beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And she just kind of like shuts them down. Which is incredibly powerful. Yeah. And and honestly, lends credence to your theory that that scene where she, like, is grooming herself is good because it's off-putting in a way that, like, desexualizes her. Yes. In a scene where, like, earlier she was, like, the camera treated her as very sexual. Like, she was uh, laying across the bed with her legs up in the air, like, where if she had been wearing something else, like, it would have clearly been, like, the beginning of 50s playboy copyright yeah she was you know? she was kind of posing like a like a pinup yeah before yeah. but then you have this moment yeah i also kind of like that scene for that where she's like i think i need to take a bath and it sounds sexy and then she starts licking herself you're like oh this isn't sexy this is weird <laughs> Super yeah weird. no you're yeah Super I, weird. I think that you made that seem more powerful with your analysis well thank you you're welcome another thing i noticed is she falls through glass like three to four times in this movie and i wonder if it's a reversal a reversal of a glass of busting through a glass ceiling. She's dropped through like glass glass ceilings repeatedly. Yeah, it's almost like we like breaking the glass ceiling is a, is a joke. So instead, we're uh, she's crashing through it in reverse because that's the only way to actually break it. Well, right. To shoot too high and get dropped, and then at least it'll be broken for the next people. And she's always dropped by men. Like, it's always men pushing her or, like, sending her up in, like, that crazy umbrella thing and she falls through a glass ceiling. Batman pushes her through a glass ceiling once. Yeah, she says that, like, Batman tried to kill me, Penguin tried to kill me, like, you tried to kill me, you know, to Max Shrek. Like, she's she's got nine lives and uh, it's because literally every man, even Mr. Batman, I don't kill people, you know, does things that could be fatal. Threw her through. I mean, still throws her through like a glass ceiling. I do also like that in the grand tradition of femme fatales, she literally kisses Matt, kills Max with a poison kiss, with a taser, a a taser in the mouth. Yeah, that's insane. That's insane. Also, great that she survives it. I also, I also like this movie because generally Catwoman is considered an anti-hero in the Batman universe or at the very at the most she's a deeply likable villain which I think is kind of what she she's like somewhere in between those things in this one as well yeah sometimes she allies with Batman but like she always has her own motivations that don't align perfectly to be honest I think that that's true of all the women in the in the Batman universe even uh, Batwoman like refuses to join up uh, with the bigger league of Batman stuff because she's like nah fuck you Right, but like, po- but like poison, but like poison ivy is more villainous than yeah, Batman, yeah that, ba- and, than Catwoman, and, and that's what I mean. Yeah. Like, like I don't yeah. think there's a single woman that actually in the Batman universe it's like, yeah, I'll follow your lead, bro, which is kind of powerful. Um, but it means that they're all seen as like oppositional to our hero instead of someone we're supposed to root for entirely. But I found myself rooting entirely for Catwoman, Catwoman in this. Yes, so usually. 
and usually it's ro- like romantic. Like Selena yes. Kyle, Catwoman are Bruce Wayne and Batman's like main squeeze. Like that is yeah. Like they are the ones. They're the Marion Ravenwood. There are other women, but they're the one you want, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, As the, they're, the, they're the will they, won't they? Uh, yeah. Main thing. Like as the audience, one, you, you know? want them to settle down at the end. Like that's that's yeah. that's like the, for at least it's your romantic wish for them. Absolutely. And this narrative, and and they kind of play around with that. The will they, won't they? By giving them kind of this like l- antagonistic love hate relationship, because like she's kind of a villain and he's definitely a hero, and like how are they going to make that work? Um, how will these crazy kids work it out? Yeah, I and I love how like stark it is in this one, where yeah, the people love each other. Like like love. I'm using it in a very broad term, but the people no, could no, no, love each course. other. There's an attraction. Yes. They're interested in each other. Like she feels calm and good around Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne feels calm and good around Selena Kyle. But uh, Catwoman hates Batman, and Batman doesn't and the, hate and the moment her, they, but he doesn't like her. Like they don't well, like he, each other. He doesn't. He, well, he 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 thinks that she is out for things that uh, right. He thinks she's immoral he thinks, and he bad. thinks she's a villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and against his like Captain America esque like rigidity, mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't fit in his worldview. It's actually I I love that scene where they realize who each other is. Yes, and she just says like. Does this mean we have to fight now? Because it's like, I don't even like necessarily want to, but like, this is what you're making us do by being who you are. Or at least that's how I read it. Yeah. Like by being like such a rigid human, like it's exhausting to have to continue fighting, but that's what I have to do to get my own space here. Right. Like what he. Which makes her like the feminist hero. Yeah. What he represents is something she can't deal with. Like she. Well, she can't live within his world. No. He won't. He doesn't create space for her. He throws her through a glass ceiling, you know? Well, and he makes her, I mean, like Batman's whole, and superheroes in general, right? The whole idea is that they are one person who has the moral authority to decide who gets saved and who doesn't. And she resents. Yeah. And she resents that. Like she, you know, Catwoman explicitly resents that women are damsels in distress in this world right like she yells at the ice princess about that when the woman is getting mugged who she saves she gets in her face and is like you just make it so easy why are you always the victim yes i think that moment's so powerful because because you're hoping like that woman is looking at her like yes girl power like you saved me blah blah it's like i want you fucking save yourself yeah and i think like that's like that woman like is a victim and like shouldn't be blamed. Oh, of, of course. I'm, I'm no, I'm right. not, I'm not but like, victim shame, but I'm saying as a larger cat, commentary, yeah. like saying like, take up, take up your own claws instead of like take letting me claws. be the villain out here because yeah. I'm doing it myself, you know? Well, and, and she's, and she's commenting on a broader social problem, which is also is ice princess. The, the, is that a, is that a real thing? Yeah. The ice princess is the woman who dies. Is they call her like the, or maybe she's like the snow princess or something. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah. God, that sucks when that happens. Oh, but I think it's important. It's good though. I mean, it's bad. No, it is important. But 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 even she's like, she didn't necessarily want that. Well, she didn't. She didn't want that that to happen. happen. And I think it mirrors her death so strongly, so that you can see it. Like she's also pushed. Like yeah, it's it's it it's supposed to be supposed to bother, but I think like her whole thing where she is angry, like angry at the women who are victims, is I think it's about like why why do we set it up so all the women have to be damsels in distress, and then we can have these men who can come in and be white knights, and ultimately just like not really challenge an unjust society. Because they're not actually fixing the problem. They're just like they're just like playing whack-a-mole with the with with the symptoms. Yeah. Well and and it's funny, we haven't even talked about the first time that she interacts with Batman. Oh which yeah. Which is right after uh the Trojan horse gifts, you know, giant gift that uh holds all the, the penguin slackies come and she all the circus stuck. folk. The yeah. circus folk. Uh, come and she gets stuck in the crosshairs of this basic riot uh, on Christmas and Batman saves her and she's like oh, oh Batman hi uh, you saved me and he like barely acknowledges her as a human and then like ignores her and disappears and like 
And and part of I think that that is an important moment because it's also like they might he might save your life, but he doesn't actually seem to care about you. As well, he doesn't person. stick around for the aftermath. Yeah, because then she gets killed anyway. Yeah, like he didn't actually save her. Well, and that's you her. Know? Th- well, she doesn't die, but you all understand. Well, and she thing. actually even like, lampshades this, right? She sees like she when he's like, "I was trying to help you. I was trying to save you." She says, "Seems like every woman you try to save ends up dead or deeply resentful," <laughs> which I, <laughs> I love that line yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, I also love that she like kind of plays around with the the social construct around being a woman in this world and how like victimized they are. Like when they're fighting on the roof and she's like, how could you? I'm a woman. And then like gets up and like kicks him in the face and says, as I was saying, I'm a woman and I cannot be taken for granted. I do like I like that in this movie they make her like in some superhero movies, they make basically the women only fight either like little lackeys who are basically faceless so it doesn't bother you so much to see a man hit a woman or they make them fight other women in this she only fights men like you never see her lay a hand on a woman and i think that that's important i agree and it's and it's a and it's a good physical fight between them that's evenly matched like she holds her own almost none of my notes are about batman but i did take take this little moment to say that, like, Michael Keaton, obviously, he was Batman in the first movie. He's such a weird choice for Batman. And even though he doesn't do his Michael Keaton thing in this Batman role, he does something weird, also weird with this character, in which he makes him really soft. He almost we, we he almost doesn't do anything in this movie. The most scenes we have with him are, like, little domestic scenes with Alfred and Bruce, like, hanging at home. Like, those are, like, yeah. the most times he talks or, like... And most of the time he's doing effective heroics is, like, when he's out of costume and, like, uncovering, like, Cobblepot as a, as a villain for the voters and things like that. Or, like, meeting with Max Shrek and being like, no, I'm not going to help you with the mayor because what you're doing is wrong. And things like that. And that's an interesting choice in a Batman movie. Um, yeah, I honestly find him to be uh, not unwatchable as a result of that. Like, I, I find him to be... I kind of, while I love Catwoman and I hate that he's like her foil, I like that he doesn't seem to be like oh I, I macho masculinity. I super you know ship I mean? Bruce and Selena. Like like the part of me that it's hard not to. it's hard not to because they have also good chemistry. They have great but, chem- you know. they have great chemistry. You kind of like I believe him at the end when he's like we're both split up people and like maybe we can find a way in this crazy mixed up world. The problem is that he doesn't see. He doesn't he isn't fighting the patriarchy. He actually is part of the patriarchy. He doesn't understand that, I think is the problem. But otherwise he's an okay guy. He's a good guy for the most part, yeah. I would say. Yeah. But he's not challenging the status quo to the same degree she is so they can't make it work. So, at the masquerade ball, <laughs> at the masquerade yeah. ball, everybody is wearing a costume except for Selena and Bruce. Mhm. So, what do we make of that? Does that mean that Selena and Bruce are their costume and they are actually Batman and Catwoman? Or yeah, I, does that mean that um, they're tired of playing dress up and they just want to be themselves? They just want to be people because their their work uniform is Batman and Catwoman and they want to like, this is a party, so it's time to like not be in costume. I think it's a little bit of a combination. I know that that is not how binary questions work. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you're right because I think it's different for each of them. Yeah, I think that um, I think Bruce Wayne, by this point that we meet him, would like to be Bruce Wayne more than he wants to be Batman. Agreed. It feels like he has to be Batman. I think that's why we get so much soft, soft Batman. So- that's why we get so much soft Bruce at home with Alfred. Yeah, I think so too. I think he would like. If he could retire, and and even the entrance to the Batcave is an Iron Maiden, like it's a it's a prison, it's a trap. Oh my god, that's like both amazing and horrifying. And so Tim Burton, yeah, but like, but yeah, when he walks into an Iron Maiden, like willingly, and it's a trans, it's how he transports into his costume. Yeah, like that's that's amazing imagery. That's beautiful symbolism. Yeah, but but with with Catwoman, I think Catwoman is Selena Kyle's power source so like she can't give her up like for her like selena kyle has become her costume and like it's more self-actualized now that she has been reborn and she's able to be snarky and she's able to like call people out more but like 
Catwoman is safer. It's she can't like Bruce Wayne wishes he could be just Bruce Wayne. Selena Kyle can't just be Selena Kyle because it's not safe. Right. And it's also way more limiting. Like Catwoman yeah. is a chance to liberate herself. So, yeah, like her. And, the, and I guess that's what I mean by safety is it's not just literal safety. It's also, yeah, the abil- autonomy. Right. Catwoman's autonomy. Right. And I think that even maybe there's like the comment that she makes that's like, um, the, the last thing she says to him, which is, Bruce, I could live with you in your castle forever, just like in a fairy tale. I just couldn't live with myself. And then she says, so don't pretend this is a happy ending. Um, I think that that is like kind of that supports what we're saying here, where it's like she like Bruce wants to pretend like the happy ending is possible, that he can live both lives and know what he knows about how justice is served and also be like comfortable and in his home. And be Bruce most of the time. and But she knows that that's not something that she can do. She can't live with herself for, like, closing herself, her eyes to the realities and just hiding out at a rich guy's house for the rest of her life. So she's not going to. It's not, don't pretend this is a happy ending. Because it wouldn't be if she gave up. No, it wouldn't be at all. It wouldn't be at all. I mean, and... I, I think she just she consistently and this is very pleasing, I think, to modern eyes, calls out Bruce and Batman for being kind of a, a like a stoop for believing for trusting in law and justice. Like when he's like, no, let me take Max with me. She basically is like, no, Max is going to get out then. He's w- yeah, the richest man in Gotham. <laughs> like you can't- you're not actually going to save anyone if you let this person roam the streets. And while like, as a human named Kate Whitney, who's running a podcast, like, I don't believe him up justice. No, we're like, you know, the death penalty. But as a, a film viewer who also knows the reality and the naive, yeah, the naivete that uh, comes with trusting a corrupt system, like, She's not wrong. No. Mm. And she says, aren't you tired of these sanctimonious robber barons always coming out on top? Shouldn't he be six feet under? Samari. <laughs> I, I'm i going to be very surprised by your answer, I'm sure. Yes, I think so. <laughs> Do you think this movie is important in feminist? Do you yes. recommend it? <laughs> yes. I mean, we are living in an age where we have we have our choice of feminist super, superhero movies. We definitely do. And that's a wonderful thing. I do wish... I love this movie. I think this movie is a lot more gutsy than a lot of those. Definitely more gutsy than Wonder Woman. Like, yeah. definitely more gutsy. Gutsy in a different way from Captain Marvel, but I like how, like, weird they make her and, like, how yeah. hard it seems. Like, it seems hard in Captain Marvel, but it's also, like, celebrated. It's like, yeah, you did it. Nobody necessarily celebrates what Catwoman does here, and I think that that is truer and more useful in some ways, where it's like... You might be treated like the villain. You might be treated like what you're doing is wrong. People are going to try to tell you to conform even after you found your power. You just can't. You can't do that thing. Um, And I wish that there were more feminist superhero movies that followed this mold. I think that that would be very helpful right now. Yeah. Um, I think it's important to point out that uh, in general, superhero societies are patriarchal. Um, and we need to question and evaluate why stories are told this way. And I like that how this goes about it. And I think that as the year comes to a close and we are, you know, decorating our homes and making nice meals and enjoying the people we love, we should continue to do that. But maybe we should also be a little bit like Selena and think about the, um, you know, reject any despair that we're experiencing um, and and reject deceitful comforts and choose to burn brightly against the darkness that's howling at our door and and go, go into the new year ready to fight. That was beautiful. To sum it up in a less eloquent and beautiful way, um, ask yourself, what would Selena do? What would Selena do? Selena would, would break into some stores. That's what Selena would do. Selena would break some glass. <laughs> With a sweet whip. Yeah, hopefully you don't have to break glass by being dropped in it. Let's believe in the dream of... Break it with your fists, not with your back. Yeah. So I know you don't love the penguin, but do you feel better about the movie now that we've discussed it? Yeah, to be fair, I liked the movie. You liked enough to do a fan cut, which is a lot. Right, exactly, exactly. But yes, I do feel better about it. Having discussed it more, I always do after our conversations. Me as well. It's kind of annoying because it always makes me feel a little bit like, 
like I have no opinions of my own because I'm like, oh, well, you know, actually that's, you know, excellent point. But I think that that's really just about how well reasoned and argued your points are, oh, my my dear friend. You. And Well, please remember Captain Marvel, a movie I went into so cra- crabby and came out being like, <laughs> I love this movie. It's great. So it's great. so right back at you. Yeah. And it's, it's frustrating, but it's also kind of great. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Uh, yeah, so I, I too would recommend it. I, I might say it's okay if you fast forward through some penguin stuff because I find it to be hard to watch, but there's so much Catwoman that you will not miss if you fast forward through some. (laughs) It's true. Well, and also, also, if you give this movie attention, we might get that, that Catwoman sequel that we all frankly deserve. Love that. Yeah. Let's, let's start that campaign guys right here, right now. I just want to let everyone know we have a little holiday surprise coming up for our listeners at the end of December. Um, But otherwise, this is closing out our year. We're going to, Kate and I are going to take a little bit of a break for the rest of the holiday season um, so that we may rest and come back rejuvenated and and invigorated um, in mid-January to kick off one of our most highly anticipated series yet, uh, the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Do, do, I'm talking about the ones with Ray and Ray and Poe and Finn. Those movies. Um, yeah. yeah, the last trilogy of the Skywalker saga. <laughs> the last trilogy until Disney decides that it needs to make even more money. Yeah, and returns to that fertile. Well, I mean, I think that they're going to continue making Star Wars things, but they're telling us that we're not going to get any more of this. But I would love all the Ray. Just give me Ray over and over and over again. Spoiler alert, guys. Into Ray. Anyway. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll be we'll be checking that out uh, right in time for uh, the Rise of Skywalker to have already come out. And y'all have already seen it and we'll get to be a part of the dialogue. So, yeah, come ch- come check us out. Well, thanks for listening to Space Bros. Uh, please check us out on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and review us. Five stars. And uh, <laughs> feel free to shoot us an email at uh, sb at outrageousmechanisms.com. Check out our website, outrageousmechanisms.com slash space dash bras and we are also on social media at space underscore bras on instagram and twitter and we will respond to your emails and we will check them and we'd love to hear from more of you because it's always lovely when we hear from you anyway yep pay attention to us (laughs) 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 kindly please um and now Join us as we raise our glasses, and I hope you have a wonderful, festive glass of cider or eggnog or maybe just straight up brandy. Hell And give the official toast of Space Bras. In these troubled times, we must remember that even though everyone else might suck, we are awesome, and the galaxy is ours. Cheers! Cheers! Outrageous.